Welcome to Extraordinary People, the podcast that highlights people who inspire others, have made significant contributions to the world, or who have overcome adversity. This show is hosted by Shirley Bogtel, author, educator, wife, mother, and grandparent. Learn more and subscribe today at ShirleyWachtel.com. And now, here's my grandma, Shirley Wachtel. Hello. Today, we are welcoming Nikki Nash. Nikki is a podcast host of Market Your Genius. And she's a Hay House author, motivational speaker, and creator of the Genius Profit Society, a training and development company on a mission to equip entrepreneurs with the tools and resources they need to share and profit from their message. She supports a community of women entrepreneurs in getting clients and customers. And uh, we should see her new book out shortly. You can uh, get it on pre-order as well. And it's called Market Your Genius. And I'm already here to learn a lot of stuff. So Nikki, welcome. So I'd like to begin I have so many questions, it's hard to know where to begin, but I'd like to begin uh, with a little bit of your background and how you first became interested in this field. So it's funny, I actually fell into marketing. Growing up, I always wanted to be an actress, and I honestly was afraid to go for it. And so I acted in high school, and when I got to college, I over the summers would look in backstage magazines and look up auditions, but I never would actually go for it. And my other passion was writing. And I wrote poetry as a kid. I just was always writing. So I ultimately decided to be an English major and took a journalism course, interned at a news station and said, you know what, I'm going to be a journalist or a news anchor. And I feel like the mind is sound a lot like like me, actually, when I was younger. (laughs) No, it's just it's funny because the mind is a very powerful thing. And I thought I was going to be a news anchor. And then, you know, you had to create your speaker reel and all this other things to promote yourself. And I talked myself out of it because I thought, you know, I I might not be good enough. And what if I mess up on air and who's going to hire me? And so I ended up taking a program at NYU. It was a summer program on book and magazine publishing because I said, maybe I'll I'll be a writer. And at that program, I met a lot of marketers and I liked them. And next thing I knew, I was <laughs> in the marketing department at InStyle Magazine and moved over to travel and leisure and ended up in advertising. And it's just this windy road that led me down a path of being a career marketer. And um, I worked for some Fortune 100 companies and tech startups and ultimately realized that I just didn't feel like I was living my life's purpose or that I was really doing what I was passionate about. And I quit my job without a plan and had all these people say, hey, can you help me figure out how to market my message or market my business? And that's really where Market Your Genius came from is that I, I would find people who had amazing stories and skills and they just weren't sure how to reach the people that they knew that they could help. And that's something that I was good at and that I enjoyed. And interestingly enough, all of the things that I love doing, like acting and writing, 
came to play because I did a lot of content marketing. So I was mm-hmm. constantly recording videos or podcasts or writing blog posts. And so it all kind of comes together, but I, I fell into the marketing. Mm. Now, um, where did you go to school? I went to St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And you, you were an English major, you said. Yes, I bounced around though a bit. I was, uh, mm-hmm. I, I dabbled for a split second thinking I was going to be pre-med. And, you know, my mom's a doctor uh. and my dad's also a, a physician. He's a doctor. And I don't know why I thought I wanted to be pre-med because I had never expressed any interest ever in my life. <laughs> and so, I think I took one health and wellness course in college and I was like, I did well, but I had no desire to do anything. Exactly. You forged your own path. That's, that's very clear. So, um, so now when you, you um, decided that there was a need for this, I'm just curious, what um, can you tell us about your first um, client Someone who was looking for your help, I'd like to hear some of these uh, personal stories and how their um, futures were turned around because of the advice that you've given them. So if you could just take us through one person's journey and how you helped. Yeah. So I remember one of my first clients was actually somebody I'd met when I worked um, for tech startups because my side hustle at the time before I knew side hustles were a thing or having side projects were a thing was teaching digital marketing or personal brand courses for um, a company called General Assembly. And then I would also do it for other companies that were just looking for um, people to come teach their members, whether it was a membership community or a co-working space. And the first person I met had hired me to teach a personal branding workshop. And she was leaving her job and called me just to catch up in all honesty and shared that she was interested in starting a business. And her background had been in video and photography. And so she thought she was going to build a business being a videographer. And while we were working together, I noticed that, you know, I would give her assignments or things to work on to really meet people and build her brand. And it was working. She was getting people who requested her. She was writing proposals and it just felt like it wasn't moving forward. Like she would get stuck, like not wanting to send the proposal. And one of the biggest things and ahas that came from working together was she realized she didn't have any desire to be a videographer in the first place. Mm. And what her real passion was is actually art and music. And so um, we pivoted and now she has a brand as a Um, artist and she sings and books gigs and um, creates music videos and and is really monetizing what she loves doing and building her brand that way. And so I have tons of clients who, you know, went down a path and we've gotten them more clients and they've hit different monetary milestones that are really, uh, you know, something that people would seem successful. But I think my first clients and what was really special about this client is to realize that you don't have to build a business with what you know if it makes you miserable. And some people leave careers that they didn't love and start a business doing the same thing. And it's, in my opinion, you might not like that anyway, even if you're being your own boss. So you really Mm -hmm. might as well choose something that you're passionate about and that you love doing. 
Absolutely. You know, they say if you're in the right career, you never have to work a day of your life. And um, I totally believe in that. Um, uh, Do you think that any career can be marketable? You mentioned that she went into the arts. So does that include the arts? Because I know as um, uh, one one of my uh, really big obstacles as a as an author uh, was marketing my work. I love to write, but I just hated to get my sell myself. I hated the whole thing about it, and and I found it to be so frustrating. So, is every type of passion marketable? Yeah, I think that there, if somebody is willing to invest time or money or energy into, you know, buying your book or consuming it, or whether it's a book, art, um, anything creative, then it's definitely marketable. And and even if the thing that you're selling may not seem marketable to you, you you're, um, you're definitely have that opportunity to build your personal brand around it. I think about, you know, my mom started crocheting, and mm. there's a huge community around crocheting. And so that's marketable. You can market crocheting, you could market books. And I think um, it's often normal, I would say, for a lot of authors, especially or artists, to feel as though their art is not about them and therefore they don't want to market themselves. And it's like, hey, you know, the art piece or the book, it stands for itself. But what ends up happening is you need something to get it in the hands of the person that's going to consume it or engage with it or, you know, resonate with it. And that's where marketing comes in. And it doesn't need to feel gross or feel like you're pushing yourself on anyone or feel as though you're bragging. Um, It's really about going, okay, I created this piece for a reason and getting really clear in terms of who it's for. And then asking yourself, what is the best way for you to get it in their hands and for you to get it in front of them? And I think that um, when you're able to do that, it's an opportunity for you to impact the world in an amazing way. And so I always try to think of marketing as, you know, I'm marketing this thing or I'm trying to have more people see it because I know it's going to make a difference in the world and make it less about me because I get it. You know, I have a business where I'm essentially marketing myself or at least what I know and, and what I like to share with folks all the time. But I really try to not make it about me and make it about the person that I'm trying to impact. Right, right. Oh, gosh, I have so many more questions. First of all, um, how has the marketing world changed in the last few years? We're not going to talk about the pandemic crisis, because that's a whole other thing. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the conversation. But first of all, how long have you been doing this? And what types of changes have you seen? And how do we accommodate ourselves to the changes in social media and technology and so forth? Yeah, so I started my first marketing job was in 2006. Uh, but really, I was probably marketing long before then, because if you think about any time you're trying to get a job or an internship or get into school, whether it's a university or a private school or a trade school, you're essentially marketing yourself or packaging yourself in such a way that the school or the university or the company wants to bring you on. And 
I didn't really get that for a lot of my life. And I think that's honestly why I didn't feel confident going into acting or some of the other areas that I was interested in, because I didn't realize that, you know, it's, it's about my talent, but it's also about my ability to market and sell myself. And I think, um, in terms of where the industry is going or what it looks like, I think right now, um, I'll, there are so many new opportunities for people to connect with each other. And so, you know, there's in the last couple of years alone, you think about TikTok getting really big and Clubhouse mm -hmm. getting big and there are all these platforms and half the time people may never hear of them or won't hear about them uh, for years after they've, you know, come into existence. But I think there's always going to be something new and where I think marketing is really going for a lot of people is really understanding the places that it's worth investing most of your time in and the other places that are just possibly worth either ignoring altogether for right now or just dabbling in and testing and using as an experiment. Because I think so often people get excited about all of the things or get overwhelmed by all of the different opportunities and platforms. And the reality is you only need to market on a couple of places to grow a business or a brand, especially for most people where they could be a team of one or a team of three, or, you know, if they have a smaller business, you don't need to be everywhere. You just need to find the places that are going to work for you. And so I don't see the trend of new things popping up changing anytime soon. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the way people react to new things <laughs> coming up all the mm -hmm. time, it will probably be a bit different. Right, right. Now, I noticed that in your bio, um, you have a focus on women entrepreneurs. Do um, the women comprise uh, your only clientele or are you dealing with uh, men and is this people of all ages? Yeah, so my clients are of all genders, races, ages. Um, but what I find is that I tend to resonate with a lot of women entrepreneurs. And it, it, it's oftentimes, you know, people see themselves in you, whether it's where they want to be, or, you know, when you share your story about past experiences and, and you sharing those stories. And so um, when you're doing a personal brand, especially, um, at the beginning of, of your career, oftentimes your audience tends to comprise of people that um, resonate with you directly. So when I started mm -hmm. and um, my focus is on women and to a certain degree, I still market and actually mostly I market to women and I focus on women um, primarily because when I look at statistics for a, a number of reasons, when you look at um, the average revenue of women-owned businesses versus male-owned businesses, it's significantly less, like I would say less than half or half of what male-owned businesses make, despite the fact that women-owned businesses are growing at a significantly faster rate. And then mm. when you look at women-owned businesses, if you're a minority, it's you're making less than your non-minority counterparts. So I tend to try to, like, my goal is to close all of the gaps. So it just, it's statistically, there is no difference. Um, and so that tends to be why my marketing and, and focus is on women. But, you know, I have male clients and I have in the past and I'm not going to be like, I will not help you. I don't like you. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, it's just, right. you know, if they don't mind my very pink brand, <laughs> then we're good. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. That I was going to, I think you answered um, my next question already. Um, and that was, are women um, still far behind uh, their male counterparts in the business world? And um, even though we seem to have um, made uh, certain inroads, um, we still have a long way to go. You would agree. Yeah, absolutely. And even when I look at um, marketing and business books, just because that's the industry I, I seem to have found myself in over time, uh, I looked at what are other books that are like mine or that are covering similar topics. And I would say the majority of them, especially those that are traditionally published with a book publisher, are men are, are written by men. And I have no no problem with it. I'm not like, oh my goodness. Right. But yeah. I do have a, a problem with it from the standpoint that I'm like, why is why is it this way? That makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so I um really like to um make sure that even in the back of my book when I was when there were recommendations on what other books people should read, I said, hey, th these are all male owned or like men <laughs> written male written books and i said there's got to be other women entrepreneurs in our publishing house that have written books that would resonate with my audience can we give them a shout out because if nobody's giving them a shout out then you know people may not know that their books exist and that could be perpetuating the problem right um so let's get into some of the uh nitty-gritty on um uh, the advice that you have for entrepreneurs. And um, I'm curious, what do you see as the biggest mistake people make in this field? Oh, my goodness, the biggest. I have to think about the biggest because there are a couple. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think, I think the biggest problem, and there are a lot of symptoms of it, but I think it's patience and persistence, like a lack of patience and persistence. And I think so often... Um, people, when they're marketing something, don't give it enough time to see if it works or to tweak it and keep moving forward. You know, I have a something I call uh, the mad scientist framework. And I tell people to test like a mad scientist because <laughs> it's essentially, I'm like, you're going to do the same thing. Like when people work with me, it's, it's sometimes they're like, really? I'm like, we're going to pick one plan and we're going to do the same thing over and over again, tweaking it for like six months to a year. Like we're mm. not doing a whole bunch of different things because that's almost like wasting energy and efforts because you won't know what's going to work until you test and validate and adjust the things that you're doing. And I think so often people um, see things like I have so many ideas and they try to do them all, or they keep switching their marketing strategy because they tried something once and it doesn't work. And so those are typical symptoms of, you know, the problem of not being consistent and persistent and, you know, focused. Yeah. I mean, persistent is a big word. You, that is so true. I mean, you just, you have to stay with it. And, and uh, that's what I've learned in my life. And you have to keep going for it no matter what, because uh, you, you just can't give up. You can't give up on your dreams. And uh, I think that's, that's a, that probably is a big mistake many people make and that's why they, they fail. So um, what, uh, let's say um, I'm a, somebody, 
a woman who comes to you and says, gee, you know, I'm thinking of starting this new natural skincare line, but where do I go from here? So um, just take us through some of the advice that you would uh, present to someone like that. Yeah. If somebody said to me, you know, hey, I want to start this new skincare line, the very first thing that I would have somebody do is really get clear on what their vision is. Like, do they have an idea of a specific problem they're trying to solve or um, a missed opportunity or a gap in the marketplace? And then if so, do a lot of research. Like usually the first step for businesses, which a lot of people skip, is doing research and figuring out, okay, who would benefit from this product? Who would want this product? Are they willing to spend money on it? Is there something else already out there? What do people like and dislike about what's already out there? Because most people spend money to solve a problem or realize a dream or something along those lines. And I think that if you're not clear on what problem you're solving or what big goal that you're helping somebody accomplish, and you're also not clear that somebody will invest money and energy in the product that you want to create, then you end up going, hey, I have this great idea, I'm going to start a business on it. And you may not make any money or you may not know, like, have a business that's viable. And I think it's not the number one problem, but it's definitely in the top, you know, five problems that entrepreneurs make is, is not having a market need. And that's one of the biggest problems that a lot of entrepreneurs have when they go out to create something. So in those cases, would you just say, look, you know, you did the research, there's no niche for you in this field. Um, have you have you actually done that with clients? Have you said that to them? Um, I don't know that I've ever said, you know, there's no market for what you have going on. I think a lot of times when people come to me with an idea, there's something there. It, it may not be the, we may not walk away with the exact idea that they started with, but it's not that drastically far off, but it's in doing that research that you find um, what works and what doesn't work. I know for me though, um, I've had business ideas and then went, did projections or like figured out <laughs> one, if people would buy it. And two, if I even wanted to have that business in the first place and I've gone I've walked away from stuff. I've gone, nope, uh-huh. never mind. I don't want to go down that path. Um, right. Even if it does seem like a good idea, I'm like, ah, it it might not be the right time. Okay. So let's say it is the right time for this individual. Um, so they say, okay, well, I see the need. Um, I have the product. Now what do I do? Yeah. So see the need. The first thing I would say about the product, and this is something that a lot of people do, is that you just want the simplest version of the product humanly possible. And I think so often people put too much into the first version of their product because they're like, it could solve all of the problems and everybody will love this. But really starting with, you know, the one thing, whether it's, you know, you don't need a face cream that solves all possible skin problems at the same time, you maybe start with one and make sure your product is really, really good at solving that problem. And then you may find that people, once you start getting customers, that people want other features. But when you start with something simple and you make it really, really good at what it's promises, it's almost like, you know, under promising, over delivering, it's promise something super simple 
and that people will still be willing to pay for, give them that, find out what else it is that they want, and you can test adding that in so that in six months, a year, two years, three years, you have a product that's evolved. But when you try to put everything into one product early on, it ends up, um, you know, for a lot of people having too many problems. And then you're, you have a bunch of people who've tried the product, you promised so much, you didn't deliver, and now they have a negative feeling about the brand or the product or the business. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, how would I, as this individual, how would I go about um, getting my product out there, finding my audience? Like, what advice could you give me for that problem? Yeah. So I remember I used to live in Boston, Massachusetts, and I went to this um, like mentoring event. And one of the people that I met with, he was a, vet, a veteran, and he gave me this analogy for um, marketing to an audience. And I'm going to share what he said with me just because it it's very much connected to my answer to your question. And he said that, you know, pretend that your uh, total audience, everybody that could possibly buy your product is kind of the equivalent of having a beach and you have two opposing, you know, parties, two enemies essentially that want to occupy that beach. But the reality is, is you already have one group is on the beach. So let's say your enemy occupies the the beach and you don't. He's like, you don't send all of your resources to the entire beach. You choose an edge of the beach and you conquer it. And then you keep conquering the next adjacent beach uh, section of the beach until you have the whole thing. And the reason why this is important is because for so many people, I hear my product is for everyone. My book is for everyone. My you know business idea is for everyone. And the reality is, is even if in theory or in reality, it could help <laughs> everyone, um, not everyone's going to buy your product. And so I always say, start with the smallest group of people that you know will buy your product, that will be your biggest cheerleaders, that love everything about what you're selling, and use that as the section of the beach that you conquer first. And you get them on board, you get them buying your product, you get them giving you feedback, then you can make the product better and better and better. Um, or maybe, you know, I, I did this with my book, I found a group of people, and I wrote it, and I gave them a chapter a week for 90 days to give me what did you get out of this chapter? Did you have any questions? Give me feedback. And then I edited my chapters, right? And so mm. you can do this with really anything, but you choose a small segment of people who are the target uh, target audience for you. And you get in front of them, you figure out where they're spending their time, you build a relationship with them. And we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but you, you really just get in front of that audience. And then you can move to another group of people and so forth and so forth. And so uh, I really say when you're looking for your audience and how to market to people, first realize that you're not trying to reach everyone and definitely not everyone at the same time, because that's a, the equivalent of, you know, sending your troops to an entire beach of right. enemies. And yeah, it's just not the most concentrated way to to really make momentum and really make yeah. an impact. So you're building, you know, you're building that brand. And I, I think that's um, that's a really great way of thinking of this. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about what everybody's been talking about this uh, past over a year now, and that's the uh, COVID crisis that we're having. And so, what? Um, how has that uh, pa the pandemic 
um, impacted um, what you do and what certainly, I mean, it has an impact. Everybody knows that. But um, from your personal viewpoint, um, how have how has the pandemic affected um, people who are trying to market what they're doing? Do you see those numbers increasing as a result because we're having more businesses out of the home? Or do you see people just, they're just, people are just not maybe bothering? I, uh, how has that, your whole world changed as a result of the pandemic? Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, um, marketing online has become a uh, non-negotiable where before it was kind of optional. And so I know a lot of people who had, whether they were local businesses or just businesses completely built off of um, events or things that happened in person. And when things shut down, it made it possible or impossible for people to really um, market that way. And so a lot of people started turning to what are online ways to grow and market their business. So I found a lot of people who were maybe speaking on stages or hosting events are now doing virtual events or speaking on podcasts or things like that. And a lot of people who maybe ignored social media because they didn't really feel as though their audience cared about social media they realized, wow, well, if I need to get in front of them, I might need to get on social media or pay attention to it because I can't market the same way that I used to. And so online marketing has definitely taken kind of a, an uptick for a lot of people. And um, for me personally, for my day-to-day -day business, that actually didn't change because I started my business. I The first clients I got that weren't through friends or referrals all came from me doing digital or virtual workshops or Facebook lives because I really loved creating content and I figured, Hey, if I think I'm going to be traveling a lot to enjoy life, I might as well build a virtual business. And so for me personally, that was okay. But the big thing for me personally was I'm launching a book <laughs> in the time where people aren't really, um, congregating in large crowds. And that's honestly one of the biggest strategies for selling a lot of books for a lot of people is to speak at events or conferences, especially a nonfiction book. And so I've really had to rethink how can I do this in a way that's virtual, um, that may be smaller in scale um, on each stage that I'm on, potentially, but I do a lot more of them. So it's, it's really kind of shifted how I I'm going out marketing my business and things like that. Okay. So I think that this is a perfect segue now um, to talking about your book. I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, sell your book here and why um, we might need your book. Many of us, um, I, 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 you certainly have convinced me after this conversation. <laughs> and I'd also like to know what the future holds for you personally. So take Absolutely. it away. Thank you. So um, I will say for the book itself, um, again, it's called Market Your Genius. And what I will say is that as much as I would love everybody on the planet to purchase my book, um, it's not for everybody. In all honesty, it's really for people who have um, a 
story or a skill or um, a product that they're looking to sell. So the whole book is about how do you um, get more clients? How do you um, build an audience? How do you create a community of people that keep buying from you? And that works whether you're selling, you know, a book or a skincare regimen, or even if you're trying to find a way to build your audience for a podcast and you're going to monetize it maybe through um, sponsoring or things along those lines. So a lot of what we talked about today is is in more detail in the book. We talk about how do you create a product that has kind of those minimum uh, features. Um, we call it a minimal viable offer or minimum viable product. So we talk about that and we also go deep into marketing. So if that's jives with you, that feels like something that is right for you, then I would love for you to check it out. Um, my website for it is marketyourgeniusbook.com. So that'll be up or um, it's also available on all of the places like Amazon, Target, um, Barnes and Nobles. I'm sure other places that I can't think of right now, Books a Million. Um, but that's that's uh, what I've got going on right now in the uh, immediate time frame. Um, but in terms of where I'm going next, one of the things that I found, I guess a little bit surprising, though I'm looking back, I'm not sure why I was so surprised by it, but I thoroughly enjoyed the process of writing a book. And I think I forgot how much I love the art of writing. Um, and while I was writing this book, I came up with an idea for a children's book. I wrote some poetry. Um, I was just writing. And Welcome so to for, my world. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I really do love it. And so for me, I've really identified myself as being a content creator. And um, I, for my future, um, I see myself writing more books, um, not just nonfiction, but ultimately and hopefully, you know, children's books and fiction books and just kind of being someone that just creates. <laughs> and um, I also have uh, a desire to kind of get back into um, enter entertainment and whether that's through, I've, I've thought about doing TV more of not literally reality TV, but more of how can I help people go after their dreams and things that I really believe in because I believe everybody on the planet has the capacity to create a life that they're in love with. It's really just about, um, you know, opportunities and mindset. And, um, you know, sometimes it's shifting or having something disrupt your circumstance. And so I believe it's possible. It's just how can we help make that possible? And so I've had for like years now, this desire to, to do a TV program around that. So who knows? That's terrific. That's terrific. I, you know, well, guess what? I, I think listening to you and all you've had to say today, I have no doubt that you are going to um, find that genius and achieve all the dreams that you have. And also I would urge our listeners to um, get a copy of Nikki's book, Market Your Genius. And uh, if anything that we've said today has uh, resonated with you and uh, you know, Nikki, I just want to wish you the best of luck. And as I said, I don't think you need my good luck. I think you're headed for it all because you are one of our extraordinary people. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Extraordinary People. To learn more about Shirley Wachtel and to subscribe to the show, head to ShirleyWachtel.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Extraordinary People. Extraordinary People.